my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up ritual scrub stars Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's installment of the iHeart Podcast weekly webinar speaker series. We sort of say this every week, but every week I do believe it's true. This is my favorite half hour of the week where I get to sit down and just have a very cool conversation with a very cool person, usually having something to do with podcasting. We kicked this off like a year and a half ago when we were all moving into a bit of a new world order. Quarantine was hitting us. We were changing up our routines and our jobs and where we did them from. And we were trying to figure out a way to stay connected and keep talking to each other, especially about podcasting. And it's become a bit of a tradition for us at iHeart to do this every Thursday around noon Eastern. This week is awesome. We launched a show a few months ago with an absolutely incredible talent 
who's done stuff in a lot of different mediums, and we are very glad that one of her new favorite mediums is podcasting. Nikki Glazer, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for that introduction. And I just, I can't wait to talk podcasts. I realize I don't get to talk podcasting like very often. You know, it's usually a, a point that someone brings up maybe in a conversation and you can kind of shoehorn it in, but I love podcasts. I love talking about podcasts and podcasting. Thank God for it. Like you said, really helped me during the pandemic deal with the fact that I wasn't getting attention on stage every night anymore and I wasn't being able to articulate my feelings and my thoughts. So I am so grateful to have the Nikki Glazer podcast, which is a daily podcast I get to do. You guys didn't even want me to do it. They, like you, That wasn't your idea. That was mine. I think the money would have been the same. Honestly, I like podcasting that much. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I really was right because this show is something I want to do every day. And it was a show that I sought out to add to my life and make it something to look forward to as opposed to dread, which is so much of my career. Well, not so much anymore, but like, you know, there, there's always this dread when you're like doing a thing that you're scared to do. This is something I'm not scared to do. And I don't really want to seek out things that I'm scared to do anymore. Like, I know what I like. I've done things that intimidate me. I still want to challenge myself, but just a comfortable space to be in. I think you, we all get to a point in our life when we, you move past that point of you're like, I should do things that make me afraid. And you move into a phase where you're like, nah, not so much anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm tired of being afraid. That has made me, that's motivated every decision in my life for 37 years. I'm like, I'm such a scared person. People always think I'm so brave because of the things I say and the things I do. But the reason I do and say those things is because I'm so scared. And the only way to conquer them is to go like, to just jump into the pool. I do not like gently go into a swimming pool when it's cold. I'm always like a jumper. So I just take wild swings to conquer my fears of, you know, being unlikable. So I'll just say the most unlikable thing about myself. Let's just go all in or fears of being unlovable. Like, let's test that. I don't know. It's all fear based. But yeah, it just feels so good to find a way to make this career work where it's driven by wanting fame initially. And now I'm driven by, you know, having good conversations and getting people to think about things in different ways. That's what podcasting now has done for me. It's like, it's so good. <laughs> where, did that, where did that come from? To go way, way, way back. This predilection, this instinct, whatever it is to jump in and say the thing that is the hardest to be unlikable and lovable, whatever word you want to put on. Yeah. Where do you think that came from? Like, is this something you clocked as a kid that you're like, whoa, I do things a little differently. I say things that other folks don't say. Yes. Very early on, I clocked that I had a dark sense of humor that did not fit the exterior of like a little tiny blonde girl. And I got a lot of shame for it early on as I, you know, I don't blame anyone that gave shame to me because I said some weird things that like, I've literally blocked out some of them because they're so embarrassing that I would think something was funny, but it was just true. And so there were times where I was like, okay, that's not good to talk that way. And then I think I just got so angry at the idea that I couldn't talk that way. It just was like a tea kettle waiting to go off. I was screeching to like let it out. And so when I finally discovered stand-up where you could just go and say whatever you want and people will like laugh and that's some kind of form of acceptance. And it also makes me feel less alone to admit things that I think I'm only struggling with and Listen, sometimes you, you're the only one and you feel it in the room and that's a weird feeling. But generally you're met with laughter, which means, oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, how did you end up on stage? That first time you walked up and said, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. Maybe this is the right way to get this stuff outside. 
or out, how did that process happen? Did you know immediately like, oh my God, this is perfect. The second I got off stage, I mean, the first laugh, I was like, yep, I found it because I had been looking for some, I wanted to perform. I had that desire from the get-go, but I had tried everything. I tried acting. I tried, wanted to be like, I was like, oh, I hope I just become a model. Like this is sixth grade. I'm like, okay, these are the routes. You're a good singer, not really that good at singing or musically inclined. So I was like, okay, I'll be an actress. And then I was like, oh, acting's boring and the people are boring. So by high school, I had like, not going to be an actress. And then I went freshman year of college. I was like really in the depths of an eating disorder that was on the brink of taking my life any moment. So I, cause I didn't really have a reason to live. I was just like, what? I I'm not good at anything. I have no reason. What am I going to be when I grow up? I don't want to be anything. You could be a teacher. Like the idea of that is just like, I knew it wasn't for me. So I was like, I guess I'll kill myself someday. Like literally thought that because I'm like, I'm not talented enough to do what I really want to do, which is perform. But then people started telling me I should be a comedian. Like I just got goaded enough by my friends and people that say, you should be a stand-up comedian and I never even thought about it. The second I like did a little bit of Googling on it, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I could do this. I wrote some jokes, performed them, and then literally like got off stage and called my dad crying. Like, I know what I want to do, like that moment. And I felt the same way when I first started doing radio. Like Craig Ferguson was the first person who had me on his serious show back in the day. And, you know, I had done radio so much as a stand-up going into local stations and was always pretty good at it right away and comfortable on it. And I did Bob and Tom, which is a really like high stakes comedian radio. Like that's like doing the tonight show of radio back in like the day, like they set you up for bits and you really got to deliver and then you can be part of their crew. It's like, so I had these really like fun broadcast high stakes moments where I crushed on them. And then I started doing Craig Ferguson's radio show and he was the one, like, I just need someone to be like, you are good at this. You should do this. And he was really encouraged me. And then I just pursued it. And I was like, yeah, I have the experience. I've been podcasting for years. I've always done it with a partner, been scared to do it on my own or really do it. And this opportunity to do the Nikki Glazer podcast is like the perfect timing because I've logged my 10,000 hours easily, yeah. but I'm, I'm out to get 20,000 now. Like this is something I can do the rest of my life. You know, the thing that I think is pretty consistent is edginess, being unafraid, which is why I think it's so interesting that you say a lot of what you're driven by is at least for first you know, couple decades is fear. But I'm always really fascinated with folks that are this, to put it sort of plainly outspoken, how you manage going too far, being afraid that somebody might cancel, cancel culture. Like how yeah. do you process this in your head while also staying free on stage in a podcast on the radio it's a great question because you know i've said things on stage that could come back to haunt me and be taken out of context and that i'd have to you know answer to and i would because i've done enough work on myself that i know i'm not a bad person you know there's always a secret thought that i have is like i'm bad like i am out for myself i'm selfish yes of course i'm selfish because i'm a human being who wants to survive and like i'm driven by my animal brain to get things so selfishness is just a survival technique but at my core I'm not a bad person I'm finally okay with that and accepting it and I'm not perfect but that's part of like I forgive myself and I'll always be able to forgive myself if I do anything wrong like this is a weird example but it happened the other night I was doing karaoke on my birthday and there was like a crowd and people were filming it and I was singing uh, WAP, 
you know, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. And it was my first song that I thought to even do because I have it memorized. I worked really hard to memorize it. Like, and I love, it makes me feel empowered. It was my birthday. But then I realized the N word is in it many times. And I was like, and I know where they are because I've never said it. And I've trained myself to never say it because it's just not, there's no even thought that I would say it even secretly. But I know some people do, but that would just not be me. I'm not like an angel because of that. I'm just uncomfortable with word. But in my head, I thought, what if you do the thing where the thing you don't want to do, you accidentally do? And what if they're filming and then you say this word. This is all going through my head as I'm saying, like, you know, swipe your nose like a credit card. Like, like hop on top. I want to ride. Like, I'm doing, I'm thinking all these. By the way, my dad was also in the audience, which is just weird. I didn't think it through. I just knew WAP was, like, my favorite song to rap in my car alone. And then the N-word is coming up, and it's coming up three times, and I know it. And I know where the drop is. I've never said it. But I go, what if I do it? And I made peace with it in the moment while I was singing because I go, if you do, you know you didn't mean to. You know you're not like secretly trying to hurt someone. I'd be able to make peace with that with myself. So no matter what happens, I'll be okay. Even if everyone does believe something about me. I do enough work on myself and I know how it'll take a lot of work if I get canceled, but I think I'll survive it. All of that makes me wonder if in the last year, year and a half, it feels like the news cycle I mean, look, 2020 was a year like none that I've ever experienced from elections and fake news and quarantines and wildfires. I mean, I could keep going and going. Did comedy get harder in a world where the news cycle felt like it was all comedy all the time? Or did it get easier? Was it harder to determine what you could make a joke about and not? How did you manage that? I have a hard time making jokes when I'm depressed. Like if I'm in a depressed state of mind about the world and... It's really hard for me to be funny. So I think I suffered last year just from being depressed all year, as we all were in different ways. My mind needs to be in a healthy condition to generate comedy. And part of my depression is like making dark jokes like uh, about sad things to make me feel better. But for whatever reason, last year, everything was just so sad that it got me into a depressed state. Not that those things haven't been completely all healed. A lot of them are irreversible. But now I've gotten enough like mental health last year that like the last year was so bad that it led me to find ways to cope with that and be able to have that outlook again where you can make fun of things. I don't feel scared about the cancel stuff. I just, I know that when I make a mistake, I go, oh, wait, I would, you're not supposed to say that? Okay, well, tell me why. So I never do it again. And I'll let people know not to do it. Like, that would be my reaction. I'm so sorry I hurt anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone. I think if you get in as a shock comic that says shocking things, you get a reputation of like, I love to make people uncomfortable. It is the last thing I'm trying to do. All I'm trying to do is say things that will actually make people more comfortable because they're uncomfortable and then you say them and then other people might relate or have had that thought before and they're like, okay, maybe I'm not a bad person because I thought that too. This girl is admitting it publicly and she's not being stoned. You know, she is stoned, but she's not being, stoned. you know, like yeah. there. it's just, you have to say those things, but I don't like triggering people or making people feel bad about who they are. And when I do those things accidentally on my show, sometimes I always implore my listeners, if I am wrong about something and mouthing off and you feel personally like your friend, Nikki, because I call my listeners besties because I just talk to them in a way that they're like my best friends. And if my mouthing off offends one of my listeners in a way that's like, God, I didn't expect that from Nikki. Like I trust her. And like the way she handled that was just like kind of myopic and selfish. Will you write me and explain? Because I do want to have empathy and understand the other side and like 
learn to tread lighter on those areas and within reason, you know, you can't protect yeah. everyone. And sometimes you, for the greater good, you have to make some people uncomfortable. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. know this but i imagine that you and and specifically the podcast that we've done together that we'll get into in a second here but i think it creates a companion for a lot of people who listen to it who need that connection and who, yeah. who trust you and i was going to ask you know you talk about my words i don't want to put words in your mouth but like you talk about a 
teenage years that sounded hard of in yeah. your own life, who did you have? Who did you have in media and entertainment? Who did you mm. turn to that was like, oh, that person will get me through their routine, their album, their whatever? What yeah. <laughs> what a great question. And what a kind of sad answer is I don't really have anyone. And that is why I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift right now. And my, as an adult woman, she is what I needed when I was young. I needed that so I needed me. I am constantly trying to be the person that I needed, the voice, the celebrity that I could worship and want their life and realize that they were flawed because growing up in the, you know, early 2000s and going through, you know, adolescence, late 90s, early 2000s, it just women were not very flawed back then, or at least I wasn't seeing it. I just didn't, maybe I wasn't seeking it out, but I guess like early influences in terms of like how you could just say anything and be embraced. I got to say like Eminem, there were people like that, but in terms of like feeling like I had a friend in, luckily I had great girlfriends in high school. I was always so lucky to have good friends. I recognize that some people aren't so lucky and that is really what I hope to offer. And I know that I do offer because I hear back of like, I feel like you're like my friend. And I'm like, I am. I mean, like, let's not go too wild with that because that can turn into stalkery things of like, I'm talking to you, you know, but I don't find it to be a bad feeling for my listeners to feel like they personally know me because I feel like I personally don't know Taylor Swift and that I would cry if I met her in trying to articulate how she's made me feel my feelings and feel nurtured and feel understood. Like I got all of that from her. And so I like to give that to people with obviously like a comedic take. I love the Eminem to Taylor Swift. Like, <laughs> I completely follow it and I get it. Listen, it's weird about audio. I think that podcasting, radio, the way that listeners consume this kind of content, whether it's a podcast or a broadcast radio station, they do, I think, feel more like the companions or the friends of the person that's saying stuff as opposed to a fan. We've seen this time and time again in the shows we've put out there in the world. There is this kind of special relationship between a host or a talent and an audience and a listener that I feel like is unique to audio, podcasting and radio. So it doesn't surprise me that you have that kind of relationship with fans or that they see that. It's almost like I've heard it described best once to me where somebody was like, you know, it's funny when you listen to a podcast, it almost feels like you're on the telephone with the person who's talking to you as opposed to in a movie theater where you're one of a hundred people watching a movie. Does that feel? Does yes. That with I love that. Cause I feel that so often with the podcast that I listen to is that you're over here. You're part of the conversation. You're at the table and it's in your ear. It's such an intimate, like just in your, like voices in your ear, not music, but just voices. There's like a whispering, like you're in on this kind of quality to it. And it is something that you walk about and they're just regular people in your life and running jokes and just the intimacy of it is undeniable. And probably people spend more time listening to me talk than they do their spouses some weeks. And that's, yeah, you know, and I really appreciate that. I appreciate that they feel like they can do that because that's asking a lot of people to just listen to you and your friend talk four times a week. But you know what? I do that with the shows I love. I That's what I wanted to recreate. The best part of my day when I was like a struggling open micer in LA driving to work to go babysit for some kids. I loathed this baby. I loathed and the mother would stay there the whole time. So it's like you could never really relax because the mom's just in the other room watching you. Ugh. The best part of that day was driving and listening to like the morning zoo show that I felt like I was 
you know, on something like cool. It was Adam Carolla and Danny Badaducci and Teresa Strasser. It was like a very finite time that these three were together, but it was so fun. And I feel that way about Stern and I feel that way about Bob and Tom, like all the shows that I've gone into over the years. I just love the morning zoo and I don't think that that only has to be on terrestrial radio. You've launched this incredible podcast with us to start to close this out. We have this podcast network at iHeart. We love this medium, right? You have a medium that now has 120 million Americans a month. One out of three people in the country are listening to podcasts a month. And you launched this show with us that we're really grateful for you to sort of do this partnership with us around the Nikki Glaser podcast. It's actually part of Will Ferrell's podcast network with iHeart called Big Money Players Network. What was that like to move into sort of under his general executive production in big money, not just iHeart, but big money players? What was that like? I mean, getting asked to be a part of that umbrella of shows that is Will Ferrell's at the top of was like, you know, he's just the comedy god. It's wild to me. I'm finally, I like share a credit with him. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like it's like a thing we have in common with Will Ferrell. It's kind of a dream. It's like the Tom Hanks of comedy. Like he's just like, Incredible. You know what I mean? It's, well, you know, everyone knows. I know, I know so that was exactly. just so cool to be asked to sit at the cool table. And then the other podcasts on it are all like the funniest people that I know and their shows and the shows like Las Culturistas. Like, Incredible. is there a more fun show to be on or listen to? Like just being amongst Jacqueline Novak and Kate Berlant. Like it's a group of the funniest people. It's one of those times where you feel like imposter syndrome a little bit. But no, it's not like there's people in that are putting this group of shows together that have really good taste. And I'm so happy. I think at Big Money Players Network, you guys with Will Ferrell are building the funniest group of humans on the planet. Yes. All doing it through podcasting somehow (laughs) as the excuse to exist, but it is absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'm so grateful to be at iHeart. The process of making this show, I was able to take my time. I was able to really be heard. I was able to be everything that I was promised has become through. And it's just been the best. I went with you guys because I saw myself being the happy. Like I'm only making decisions based on happiness and nothing else. Not that you're not, not treating me very well, but like good people it just trickles down and I just want to be among good people and it's only proven so fun and it just makes for a great podcast to work with people who just are like chill and fun and let you be yourself and that's why you, and they recognize that's why they got you. It's because I, cannot, I, cannot, I love that. I cannot thank you enough for not just for taking this half hour to hang out and talk about where this thing thank you what it means to you but you know for the overall partnership with us we do a decent amount of shows but it's you can always sort of tell when there's a show in the building as it were that the team is just incredibly fired up about it thank really, you and thanks to everyone who sat with us for a half hour and listened to us jabber it means <laughs> a lot to me and, and if you have not listened to the nikki glazer podcast please cancel everything you have this afternoon <laughs> go catch up and then listen to it every day going forward because it's one of the best you don't even need to catch up just jump in i tell people because that'll to get people to not do it because they go i uh, can't i can't catch up just jump in you'll catch up it's fine no excuse now. yeah yeah no excuse just jump in we're happy to have you and and you'll catch up soon you'll get all the inside jokes fairly quickly nikki thank you so much take care of yourself thank you so much Uh, everybody we'll see you next week same time let's keep it going thank you Hot
Conversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.